Welcome to another episode of the Claremont Life Podcast. I am Ryan Zimmerman, and today I'm going to be flying solo. Uh, today I'm going to be bringing to you a Claremont real estate market update to talk all about the craziness that we're experiencing right now with Claremont home prices and what it's like to be a home seller and a home buyer, and just kind of how that all can be beneficial to everybody out there listening in town who's wondering maybe if it's a good time to sell or buy or what their homes might be worth if they want to know. So I hope you guys will enjoy this episode. Here we go. All right, everybody. So today I'm going to be talking about the Claremont real estate market and just how crazy it is. Kind of dive into where we are compared to where we were last year, what's driving it, and kind of what we can expect uh, moving forward. So I get a lot of questions from people in town who aren't necessarily even in the real estate market. They're they're not selling their homes, they're not buying anything, but they kind of hear what's going on. They hear what's going on on the in the news about you know national home prices or California home prices. Uh, they hear kind of just through whisperings from friends and conversations around town about what's happening locally, but they still don't quite always understand exactly what's going on. So I hope that uh, for everybody who's been really wanting to know what is happening in the Claremont real estate market, if you've just sold your home, you get it. But for everybody else, um, it's going to be probably a bit of a shock to hear how crazy things are really going. So um, just kind of jump right in. Um, today, it is June 21st, 2021, and we are currently only at 28 homes on the market. That's all shapes and sizes, price ranges, condos, single family homes, only 28 homes on the market. That is the extremely low (laughs) for inventory in Claremont. Um, We thought we had low inventory last year, but this is something like we've never seen before to be in the 20s. Uh, Last year, we used to think we were in a really low inventory market, which was driving the prices up what we thought a lot last year. Um, But we were pretty much hovering around the mid sixties for inventory in Claremont, even in June, which was also low. Uh, A few years ago, you go back four or five years in June, we'd have anywhere from 80 to 90 homes on the market. Uh, Last year, 60 was low, 65. Uh, We broke into the seventies, I think just once. Um, and this year, we really haven't gotten out of the high 20s and in, you know, at most into the low 30s. Uh, my assumption is it's going to dip back down again into the 20s pretty soon. So 31 homes on the market right now of all shapes and sizes. And so far this year, there have been 196 homes that have sold, which is actually huge. You'd think with no inventory, very little homes on the market, that our home sales would be down. But 196 have sold compared to 143 homes that sold last year for the same period, January through June 21st. Um, And by the way, there's no uh, significance to June 21st. It's just that's what day today is, and that's when I'm recording this. (laughs) So I wanted to just have an apples to apples comparison. And uh, yeah, so it's it's quite a large margin uh, greater of homes that have sold this year. But our inventory is really, really low. So that just shows you how fast homes are selling. They come on the market, bam, they're gone. Um, now, what are the crazy thing is the numbers. So year-to-date average list price of a home. So that's not sold, but just the average list price of a home in Claremont is $884,445. Um, actually, I'll probably just round up 
to the kind of the nearest thousand at this point. But eight hundred eighty-four thousand is your average list price of a home. Average sold price of a home is eight hundred ninety-six thousand so far this year. So this is the first time I think I've been looking at the stats in Claremont for, gosh, maybe at least ten years when I've been really paying attention to the numbers, and I've never seen. Uh, especially over a long period of time, uh, a larger sample size like this, never seen this average sold price exceed the average list price of a home. Um, but here we are, almost $900,000 for the average sold price of a home in Claremont. Uh, that's pretty nuts. <laughs> the median home uh, sold price is 790000 which is still really high. Um, but of course, you know, averages take into, you got some of these big two plus million dollar homes that are selling that kind of pull the averages up. But again, we included those same 2 million plus home sales in the data from last year, which I'll get into next. Um, but the median home sale price is something that other people think is probably a little bit more applicable, but that's at 790. So again, compared to just one year ago, from January to June 21st, there were only 143 homes that sold. And the average list price of a home then was 733. So that's $163,000 less than this year. That is insane <laughs> to have a jump of average list price of 160,000 in just a one year period. Um, I've never seen anything like this. I've been doing this for 16 years. Uh, I think even just some of the other agents in my office who've probably been doing it for longer than I have. I don't, I would doubt that they've ever seen anything quite like this. Um, average sold price of a home was 722, sorry, 722. So that's less, that's less than 733. It's 11,000 less. And on average, Homes were selling very close to their asking price, of course, but still less than their average asking price. Um, so the majority of homes under a million were still selling over asking last year, but because a lot of the larger homes weren't always selling as fast or for as much, that's probably why there's the difference there for the list price to sale price. But that was a really, really strong year. We came out of 2020 thinking, oh my gosh, the market is crazy. Look how close our average sold price is to our average list prices. Um, but now this year is just blowing that one completely out of the water. So, um, what is driving the market? What's causing it to go so crazy? So there are several factors contributing to this market. Uh, number one is basic supply and demand, you know, econ 101. We have incredibly low supply. So again, how many homes are actively available and on the market coupled with incredibly high demand. So low supply, high demand, that's what's driving prices up. That's probably the major contributor is that we just don't have enough supply to meet all the people who are wanting to buy right now. Uh, we'll kind of get into why we think that is in just a little bit. But the number two reason is extremely low interest rates. So this is one of the factors that's been driving demand up for quite some time. Uh, we've been having low interest rates for years. Um, but for a good portion of this year, you know, rates were still under 3%. They're a little bit over 3% now, but you know, not by much. Um, they're just barely over. But for a good portion of the beginning of the year, they were still in the high twos. Um, you know, when I first purchased my first home about 11 years ago, I think my rate was somewhere, I want to say around 5% or high fours. And I remember, of course, you know, my parents and other people telling me, you know, back when they bought their first home, how interest rates were like 18 to 20% or even higher. Uh, so 3% is basically like free money for a lot of people out there who have investments or, um, you know, other things that they're that they have their money in that are making them more than 3%. So if you have any kind of investment account, 
where your money is bringing in more than 3% on average to borrow money at 3% or less is a no-brainer, right? Your your money's making more money for you sitting in your account than putting it down on a house. You might as well just get a bigger bigger loan. So 3% super attractive rate is still causing people to want to lock that in for the next 30 years. And, uh, you know, rates are eventually going to go up. So to be able to lock in now, keep that that loan for as long as you plan on living in your home, uh, you really can't beat that. So again, that's another driving factor. Another factor that's driving demand is the new ability to move anywhere people want to go. So with the rising number of people who are working from home, it's no longer, you know, your decision isn't based specifically on, oh, how close am I to work? I don't want a long commute. With so many companies allowing workers to work from home, and many of those jobs, you know, confirming that they actually will be keeping it that way, people want to move. Uh, they want to move to better school districts. They want to go where they can have more space or where they can be closer to family um, or where they can just kind of get away from expensive city life. So, um, you know, one of the appealing things for me to get into this business was that, you know, I was born and raised here in Claremont and my office is three minutes away from my house. That's pretty great. I hate driving. My friends all make fun of me because they know, they think that if I leave the borders of Claremont, that I'm just going to combust and uh, turn to dust. So, um, you know, the idea of commuting into LA would be extremely unappealing to someone like me. I just can't stand traffic. Actually, I don't think anybody can stand traffic, but my tolerance for it is very, very low. So for people who don't want to have to do that, you know, you can kind of live wherever you want to live now and move away from the LA and the crazy traffic and busyness of city life and come to a place like Claremont where, you know, we've got a great kind of lifestyle of living here and, and, you know, a million dollars can get you a four bedroom house with a 10,000 plus square foot lot and maybe a pool and, uh, you know, just a lot more space to be able to move and stretch out. And if you're planning on raising kids, a place where the kids can play and where the whole family just isn't on top of each other in a, in a tiny cramped little space. So, uh, that's extremely appealing, especially to people coming from the West side, coming out to a place like Claremont, they look at what you can get for the money and it's kind of a no brainer, (laughs) right? It's a little bit more laid back. There really isn't traffic and, you know, all the other things that make Claremont, Claremont. So um, those, among many other reasons, are what causes people to want to move are now possible. So the anchor that was holding them down, i.e. an office building, has been lifted. However, because of this mobility in the market and prices going to incredibly high prices so quickly, it's become insanely competitive market for buyers. So When I say insanely competitive, I'm talking, it's not uncommon for a home to receive anywhere from five to 20 plus offers. You know, I've heard situations where agents have had into thirties or forties, but that's a little bit more rare, but into the teens is pretty common. Um, 20 plus I've seen it many times. Um, so really it just kind of depends on how nice of the home it is, um, how well-priced it is. And again, how scarce something like that product is on the market. You know, can I get that if I wait another couple of months, will something like that come on? Or is this something so rare and priced so well? Well, that's going to get a ton of offers coming in on it and driving the price way over the asking price. Um, so, you know, if you figure you're one of those buyers, you might have a one in 20 chance of getting that home. And even in less competitive situations, you might have a one in five or a one in 10 chance. Um, you know, 
10% chance isn't so great when you're trying to buy the home that you love. So this is causing buyers who are just getting extremely frustrated with losing out on multiple times that they've put offers in. And in many cases, maybe it's their third, fourth or more uh, attempt to buy a house. So what they what do they do next? They find a great home that they want. They've lost out a bunch of times. So what do they do? They offer something insanely high just to avoid losing out again. Um, they'll pick a number that is so drastically above what anybody else would think is reasonable for the home that oftentimes they're the winners. Um, sometimes they'll end up losing because a multiple counter offer will go out and maybe somebody else gets just as crazy, but uh, it's not uncommon for homes these, these days to sell for anywhere from 50 to $150,000 over the asking price. And this is the second factor that is actually keeping inventory down. Um, you'd think that this would actually be driving inventory up, right? So sellers would say to themselves, wow, if I put my home on the market, I'm going to get a crazy high price for it and sell it for more than it's ever been worth before. Well, they do say that, but then they also say, but if I put my home on the market, where will I go? I don't have another house to move into already. So I would have to become a buyer in this crazy competitive market as well. And there isn't even anything on the market that I've seen that I like. And if one does come up that I do like, I'd be a contingent buyer, not always, but usually a contingent buyer on selling my house, which makes it tougher. And I might only have a one in 10 or one in 20 chance of getting it. So then they say, nah, I'll just stay put. I'll just stay where I'm at. It's a vicious cycle. I hate to use that term, but it really is. It's kind of like the chicken or the egg. What do they do? Do they sell or do they buy? Um, They want to sell, but they don't want to have to be in a position where they're having a hard time buying. But for people who you know, already have where they're moving to secured. Uh, maybe they own a second home and they're moving into that one. Um, maybe they're moving into a retirement community. Maybe they're moving in with family. So they don't need to become a buyer. This is an insanely attractive market to them because they could just put their home on the market and all they get is the upside. So really, we need more people to put their homes on the market to then increase supply, which would then help ease the crazy rise in prices, right? If you increase the supply, if demand stays constant, it should help tamper some of these, you know, multiple offer situations and people offering crazy amounts of money because they'll have more options. But because of the crazy competition in the market and, you know, no homes on the market for them to choose from, people just don't sell. So when will the madness end, right? That's kind of the question that everybody's wondering. One, because they just don't know how it can keep going this long. And then also people are also wondering, is the bottom going to drop out? And when this all stops, what's that going to look like? So to me, it seems, and not just to me, but to others that I've speak, spoken to, um, it seems that the only things that can happen to normalize this market a bit uh, would be for interest rates to rise and not by like a quarter percent or a half percent, not to go like 3.3 or 3.8. Um, you know, they would need to go up significantly, you know, four to 5% maybe, um, to likely have any kind of real impact. Maybe a little bit of a bump will have some impact, you know, if you go half to 1%, but if you want to have a real impact of slowing this train down, it's going to have to be, you know, a relatively significant raise, rise in interest rates, um, which would make it more expensive to borrow and lessens people's purchasing power. So it costs too much more, too much money to borrow money, and it lowers your ability to purchase a home because you can't afford as much because your payment will go higher for the same, the same home, uh, it's going to pull prices down. Uh, another thing that could slow down 
the market is a large economic downturn, right? So a uh, possible crash in the stock stock market or some other major negative, you know, more macroeconomic force that causes people to be more conservative with their money, you know, or sadly for many, uh, cause it to them, cause it for them to not be able to afford to purchase a home at all, whether it just be the cost of the home or maybe they've lost a job, uh, whatever it might be, um, a large economic downturn could significantly impact people's ability to purchase property. And then the last thing that could be could be done is if more companies decide to bring people back into the office to work physically, right? So this would kind of settle people in and lessen the flexibility of people to move, which is so abundant right now. So it would cause more people to have to move back into dense cities, into more dense populations where most of the jobs and office buildings are, um, you know, unless they find that they are actually okay with massive commutes. You know, maybe they relocate away from their buildings. Their company says, now you have to come back. And then they just decide that they're okay with where they're at because they love Claremont so much or wherever they are. But of course, the market continues to surprise everyone who follows it. So oftentimes the logical assumption is that things go one way, but then they end up going the complete other way. So who the heck really knows? Um, you know, I'd guess nearly no real estate agents last year thought 2020 was going to be a good year in the real estate market. Sounds Sounds kind of bad to say a good year, you know, for 2020, which was a bad year for so many. But, you know, in terms of how the real estate market went, and for many of the agents that I know, it was our best years yet. Um, yeah, I didn't think that. And neither did any of my colleagues. We all thought that this was going to just grind to a halt, that we'd be dipping into our savings to weather the storm and just kind of, you know, tightening up our belts because there was about, you know, a month at the start of pa the pandemic where everyone was freaking out. They didn't have a clue of what was going on. And real estate just took a standstill. We were not allowed to show property. We were allowed, not allowed to meet with sellers. Um, not that any of them were even concerned about that at that point anyway. So it was just kind of sitting at home for a month, um, wondering what was going to happen, like everybody else. Um, but then once the dust settled, you know, bam, the market just took off. Nobody could really explain it. And certainly nobody really expected it. But it ended up being a, a good real estate year for the city and for lots of other cities around. So we shall see what happens. It seems like the market is going to continue on an upward trajectory for the foreseeable future, uh, likely throughout the rest of the year, at least. Hard to believe prices could go any higher, but it's looking like they will. So yikes. So the last thing I kind of wanted to go over, are just a few tips. You know, if you're thinking about selling in this market, some things that you should definitely do and things you should be mindful of. Um, you know, number one, it's funny, I actually wrote an article in The Courier many years talking about tips of getting your home ready for sale. And uh, this is something that I said in that article. But number one is to detail your home. Uh, you know, I compare selling your home with selling your car. Uh, it still blows me away how many homes are out there that we see on the market that are dirty, cluttered, damaged in obvious areas that could have easily been fixed you know, and then photographed by, you know, a lazy agent with an iPhone or, you know, or worse, maybe not even a, a good quality phone. <laughs> but it's, it's shocking because, you know, if you were going to sell your car, what would you do? I, I'd bet you'd start by washing the car. You'd probably vacuum it. You'd vacuum out the leaves. You'd get that fallen French fry that fell between the seats and has become a fossil uh, that you dropped two years ago. Um, you know, you'd take a step further and probably even shampoo the floor mats. 
uh, armor all the dashboard, you know, center console, steering wheel, and maybe you'd even go a step further. Maybe you'd go get your car detailed and waxed. So then you'd probably take pictures, right? It's looking great. You'd take photos and you'd try to take the best photos you can. You'd try to make it look as good as possible. You'd want that, you know, sun kind of glinting off of the hood just to make it look as attractive as, uh, as you can. So if people will do all of that for, you know, the five or 10 or $15,000 car (laughs) they're trying to resell, why the heck would you not do it for your many hundreds of thousands or million plus dollar home, right? It's, it's shocking, but we see it all the time. So uh, the best tip, if you don't have an agent that knows how a home should look, feel, and present itself, which a good agent should be able to do for you, but if they can't, uh, the best thing for you to be aware of is to go to a new home construction sales office. Um, doesn't have to be in Claremont, it can be in any city. And I'm sure almost everyone listening to this has been through a new home sales office at some point, even just for curiosity reasons. But take a walk through the model homes and try to get your home to look as much like that as possible. <laughs> so I repeat though, as possible, right? You know, we live in our homes. Those have never been lived in and they're professionally done. So, uh, but the goal is to try to replicate that look and feel as much as you can. That's tip number one. So tip number two is to make sure to have professional photography. So no cell phones, no digital cameras that you or your agent also use on your vacations, you know, to snap pictures of the food you're eating or a cool waterfall. (laughs) Okay. They should be professional photos taken by a professional photographer. And that photographer's sole purpose should be to take photos of homes, right? Not, uh, not glamour shots should be somebody who only takes pictures of homes because they know the right angles to take. They know how to do this different lighting to make when you've got a darker room next to a lighter room. Uh, so it should be their sole focus and purpose is that they take photos of homes and make them look great. So that's tip number two, tip number three, price your home right from the start. Uh, a home will receive the most traffic within the first one to two weeks of being on the market. And honestly, in this market, one, <laughs> everybody's coming on that first, you know, four to six days or so that that you're live. So it's so important. That's why it's so important that you be the most attractive at the beginning, right? Right when you launch, because everybody who's out there looking for a home that's like yours is going to come see it right away, or they're going to see it online right away. So the goal is to receive multiple offers, at, at least two, right? That's always the goal in any sale. You want to get at least two so that you could be in a multiple offer situation and it gives you, the seller, the leverage in the game. Um, hopefully, your agent also has experience with negotiating multiple offer situations to give you the best end result of price and terms, not just price, but also terms. Uh, there is an art form to handling when you have three, four, five, or more uh, offers to try to massage it in a way that gets the best terms and price for the seller. You know, but a home that that is priced too high from the start, it may not get any offers. And then you have to eventually lower it, which sends a signal to the buyers that perhaps maybe the home is either not that attractive, or maybe it has something wrong with it, or again, that your price is just way too high. So then they'll want to negotiate even lower, right? You'll eventually have to lower the price. The buyer will then eventually want to negotiate it even lower uh, in many cases, unless you do a massive price reduction. But the idea is to let the market drive the price higher. If it's really worth it, let the market drive it higher. Don't try to aim for the highest target and start there. Aim for where the market 
you know, based on the data that you have available to you, where the market suggests that it should be. And then again, let the market drive it from there. Um, Tip number four, try to remove emotion as much as possible from the transaction. And I get it. This isn't always easy for sellers to do. You know, we love our homes. We've made memories in them, raised our kids in them, and spent a lot of our hard-earned money uh, fixing them up the way that we've always wanted them to be. But you have to remember, you're selling that home. (laughs) You're selling it meaning you're not going to live there anymore. (laughs) So you've already made the decision to move out of it. So try your best to remove, to remove the motion from it. You know, you have a new goal. Now you have a new location that you're going to be moving to starting a new chapter in your life. And you want to be able to make that transition easier on yourself. And ideally, you know, net you the most money and favorable terms that you can. So the best way to do that is to try to pull yourself out, just take a step back, let the agent do what the agent does. And, um, you know, the buyers for your home won't always attribute the same value, I'm sorry, the same value that you do for an update that you did to the home. So your agent should be able to help you understand that in a way that is, you know, not offensive, but, um, you know, some people will say, oh, but I did this and this and this to this home, which maybe was great. 10, 15, 20 years ago, but maybe today's buyer doesn't find that same type of update as attractive. So um, again, your agent should be able to help you with all this. And trust me, the process will be a lot less stressful and a lot less complicated if you can try to just remove those emotions. And that's it. Those are my tips. Um, Of course, there's certainly a lot more that goes into selling a home, but I try to kind of break it down into some of the more basic ideas that... um, you know, hopefully is helpful to anybody out there listening when they move forward and kind of go down this road. But, you know, if you have any other questions or thoughts about it, feel free to reach out to me anytime. You can call me, text me, email me. My information is pretty much plastered all over the internet and areas of the city. But um, if you want any guidance on being a buyer in this crazy market too, I'd also be happy to help you with some strategies on how to make your offer stand out from the pack. Um, but you can find me again on rrzimmerman.com and of course, theclaremontlife.com. All for now. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you found that to be informative and a bit of a break from the usual format. Make sure to follow The Claremont Life on social media to stay up to date with future episode releases and guest announcements. See you soon.